I know if I eat certain foods because my body is not – I can't tolerate them, I'm going to be sick. Mm. And if I continue to eat those foods, I'm going to get sicker and sicker and sicker. But if I choose to find the foods and eat the foods that are good for me and that I'm not allergic to, then I'm going to maintain that healthy and I'm going to build and get stronger and stronger and stronger. And so for me, it's like, wait, sin is kind of the same in my life. Thanks for listening to If That Makes Sense, the Family Life original podcast where we talk about what life is really like following Jesus. My name is Tim and I'm in Family Life's radio department. My name is Becky and I'm in Family Life's development department. I'm Robbie and I'm from Family Life's performing arts department. It's fun to get to say our names every time basically the same way. I always enjoy it. And I always enjoy going through the Book of Romans because that's what we've been doing this whole series of episodes. Great time to jump in is whatever episode you listen to first. And if that's this episode, well, we're glad you're here. And we hope you enjoy what we're talking about because we're not pastors. Uh, That's what church is for. We're just people and we're going through God's word. We're Christians. We do have that in common, but we're just talking about what we see from our lives in God's word as it interacts with us. So we're up to Romans chapter six today, and we're just going to go through the whole chapter, read the whole thing. And it's God's word. So we hope we're all going to be blessed by this together. Romans six. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. 
I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's so many of those for and therefore kind of statements in Romans, which is helpful because like it helps you kind of go along the flow, but at the same time it can lead for like some sort of run-on sort of stuff. And it ends with that, with that for, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that's beautiful. But it also starts with a different thought that Paul is kind of in the middle of. And I want to look at the beginning of the chapter for a second here, because he talks about, he says, should we keep sinning so that grace will increase? And he's going off of where the last chapter left off that the fact that sin has abounded has only given God an opportunity to show more grace because every time a law is broken, when he forgives, he's forgiving so much of our sin and it just shows how big his grace is. So I guess Paul's kind of answering what we do in our own lives sometimes, which is to presume on God's forgiveness and to say, well, he forgiveness, that's like kind of his thing, right? Like, I mean, I, if I sin again, he'll, he'll forgive me again, right? Ooh, yeah, but that's a dangerous way to think. And if that's your heart towards sin, you might want to question where you stand in terms of really your actual commitment to the gospel and what you really believe Jesus did for you. But I think that's really interesting that he speaks to something we actually have a lot of experience doing, which is sins that we come back to, sins that we justify, ways we justify sin that we never really should. Like he says in very strong terms, far from it, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? But so often we do find ourselves in places where sins that we've committed before, somehow for some reason we end up convincing ourselves, eh, maybe it's not that big of a deal. I mean, God's forgiven me for it before, hasn't he? Don't do that. May it never be that you think it's a good idea to sin more so God can forgive you. Yeah, he turns our mistakes for good, but it's not something to just leave as an expectation of, oh, yeah, it's kind of his job. He forgives. I think it's interesting and challenging because we're encouraged so much throughout the New Testament to live with a kingdom or an eternal mindset of building our crowns and glory and that kind of thing. And I think it's really neat that at the towards the end of the chapter, Paul writes, um, but what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? And that just struck me. It's like, oh, wait. So when I am caught in that trap and thinking, oh, I can sin because God will just forgive it and it won't really matter, but I'm enticed by what I'm getting in the moment and the fruit that I think I'm getting. And then you fast forward to I ask forgiveness and I'm, and out of that sin, but then I still have the shame that comes from that. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, I was like, wow, if I 
keep that thought in my mind too of, wait, in this moment that sin is really tempting and I want to pursue it and I want to just casually go into it because I know, oh, well, God will forgive me anyway, so what difference does it make? And it's like, well, wait, I'll have that shame and then whatever repercussions I could potentially have right then and there. Like, for instance, if I were to lie because it would make that moment in life easier and, Mm. oh, it's just a lie, God will forgive that lie. Well, when it comes around to the truth being found out and I ask for forgiveness, not only have I broken that my relationship with God, but whoever I lied to, I've lost their trust and now I'm ashamed of it and now I've lost that friendship and I have to try to rebuild that. We aren't downplaying the fact that God does forgive it. We know he absolutely does forgive sin. You know, our white lie, as sometimes they're called, or even something more extreme, like some of the sins you see saints committing in God's word. There are a number of reasons, though, that we might justify to ourselves why it'll be okay this time for me to act on this sin. One of those, like we've already talked about, is the idea that we know God forgives us, Maybe it's okay that we sin anyways. Wrong. No, it's not okay. But that's something we use sometimes to justify it. I think another way we can sometimes justify our sin is to say it's not hurting anyone. Like this, if this doesn't hurt anybody, why would God care about it? Like I know Christian people don't look at these kind of things. Or maybe it's saying to yourself, well, I know Christian people don't generally laugh at these kind of things, but it's not going to hurt anybody if... I seek this website out, or it's not going to hurt anybody else if I watch movies with this kind of humor in it or or whatever the case may be. So if it's not hurting anybody, what's the problem? Like, is it really a sin if it doesn't hurt anybody else? I think that's the, by and large, that is the prevailing attitude towards sins, like in our culture. And it leeches into Christianity sometimes. And we can, we can buy that lie of the culture that, look, if it's just you, it's your own personal choice. If it's not affecting, it's not hurting anybody else, then who's going to really say that that's wrong? I think that's, I think that's a really interesting point. And I don't know for sure, but I feel as though I can confidently say that's something that we've probably all thought to some degree or another by whatever that thing is for you. And you can, you know, sort of excuse yourself from whatever it is that you enjoy to indulge in or whatever that, you know, you, you shouldn't be. It reminds me of that passage. That's the all things are maybe all things are permissible, but maybe not all things are beneficial. Like maybe that thing maybe it isn't like even sin per se or whatever, but like, is it beneficial? Like, is this thing, whatever it is, going to be bringing me closer to God or going to be glorifying him? Or if he were in the room with me, which he always is, <laughs> like, how would how would he feel? Or, or if he, if I had this visual image of Jesus sitting next to me or standing next to me or walking with me or wherever I am, and I have this image of him with me, would I want to be doing X, Y, Z, looking at X, Y, Z, saying X, Y, Z, watching X, Y, Z, whatever yeah. it yeah. is? And is that thing something that's helping my relationship with him or hurting it or just making it stagnant? Because obviously if it's hurting it, then definitely stop. But if it's just, if it isn't helping it to grow... Mm, then maybe just avoid it 
because it's not really, it's not boosting your relationship with him. We see the whole chapter through is the idea of dead and alive, mm. slave and master. And that's part of what's going, not part of, that's exactly what's going on in even those secret sins, even those respectable sins, as I've, we've called them on the podcast <laughs> before. It's that clever term that is not original to us. But, you know, those sins that maybe don't get a lot of press in the news or <laughs> when they're committed because they're acceptable. People do them in private or people do them and everybody kind of, you know, everybody indulges in a little of that. No, really the terms we're looking at here, according to the Bible, even with those kind of sins, are words like death and words like slavery. It's a serious thing. Sin is a serious thing. To be a Christian and to still go back to these sins, which I'll say it here, and we'll, we'll talk about this when we get to the next chapter too. Yeah, Christians do still struggle with sin in their lives. It's not that we're perfect. We do still struggle with sins. But to go back to them is what Paul would say is as ridiculous as as trying to be dead again after you've been raised to life. Mm -hmm. It's as ridiculous as wanting to go back to a master who was abusive of you when you have been set free in Christ. And he actually puts it in terms that sound pretty startling to us that we're no longer a slave to sin, but we are a slave to righteousness, mm. which those are kind of startling terms for us to think, mm -hmm. wait, what? But that's the way that the Bible says it. For us as a Christian to go back to a sin, even if it's one that uh, so-called isn't hurting anybody, it actually is hurting something. And you touched on that, Robbie. It's, it's hurting your own communion, your relationship with God. And that's going back to something dead that you aren't anymore. That's a part of you that no longer has to have control over you. Temptation will still be there, sure. And will you fall sometimes? Yeah, that's probably going to happen too. But no longer do you have no choice but to follow that sin. You now have a new life in Christ that enables you to freely choose to follow his way of life, his righteousness. And I love the imagery that's used here, both the death and life and the slave and the freedom. For me, I like to also take that and put it into terms that for me personally um, help remind me or give it a little more impact for me. And that's food. I thoroughly enjoy food and I love to eat, but I know if I eat certain foods because my body is not, I can't tolerate them, I'm going to be sick. Mm. And if I continue to eat those foods, I'm going to get sicker and sicker and sicker. But if I choose to find the foods and eat the foods that are good for me and that I'm not allergic to, then I'm going to maintain that healthy and I'm going to build and get stronger and stronger and stronger. And so for me, it's like, wait, sin is kind of the same in my life. I may not physically immediately feel effects oh, when wow. I sin, but if I continue to sin and continue living in that, it's slowly and slowly and slowly just going to keep etching away and killing me. But if I choose that freedom and to live under Christ and the principles that he has set out, I'm going to continue getting healthier and stronger. My relationship is going to continue to grow rather than decrease. So I love the life to death imagery because to me, I can take that and it can be so personal because I have that food intolerance. But it's just one of those where it's like, wow, it's in such strong, vivid terms. There's not, it's hard to dispute it. 
when it's life or death. That's yeah. just one thing that we can't undo. Well, and I've heard you say before, you still wish you could have the frozen pizza and you still wish you could have the pizza from this place. And so what's interesting is that desire for that thing that you can't have anymore it it didn't go away. You know, right. you're like, you're like, oh, I don't even want pizza anymore. You're like, mm, I still want. So I just think that's even interesting yeah, that we right. still want the things that we know. Like, I don't, I know I don't want to eat the pizza because it's going to make me sick, but I do still really want it because I, I think about it still and it smells good and it looks good. And I even see my friends eating it, you know? Huh. So it's like, you want it. And that desire still hasn't gone away, but yet you know at the end of the day, I know it's going to make me sick. It isn't worth it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And well, and so we're talking about food as a metaphor, so I love it and I'm going to keep going with it because I, I think that's really helpful to go off of this imagery, Becky, that Robbie's talking about. While you might still want certain things, you because you know the difference, you're not going to choose to go back to it. It's like, oh, no, 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 don't, don't get me wrong. I'm never going back to that. I can go back to that. But sometimes the temporary pleasures of it do still seem good. And like you could probably just take food out of the equation and, and make it a metaphor for something else. Um, do the temptations, the desires of the flesh go away overnight? Uh, no. Do they go away entirely? Yeah, I, on this side of heaven, probably some of them never do totally go away. I can tell you that probably from Becky's experience, I'm sure it's a lot less difficult to avoid certain foods now than it was at first when you had to cut them out. Yeah, it's a lot less difficult. And when I apply that to my spiritual walk, the more I'm in God's word and the more I'm reading it and the more I'm becoming that slave to Christ, it gives me more tools and more strength to be able to say, oh, that sin is really tempting and that sounds really pleasurable, and I know I would enjoy that, but then to remind myself, oh, wait, I lived that once, hmm. and here's all the misery that it brought and all of the hardship that it brought. As tempting as that is, I need to walk away and go do something else. And it it never fully takes that temptation and that desire away, like you guys were saying, but it does get better as you go and as you build your relationship with the Lord and surround yourself with the body of Christ and just all the different tools that we have to be able to glean from. There are ways where it gets so much easier to live as that slave to Christ instead of that slave to sin. Well, and I know even coming back to the food analogy that um, it can become addicting. You know, sugar is really addicting. And I know for mm -hmm. me personally, when I've had moments where I'm like, I'm going to I'm gonna not eat sugar for a month or I'm going to pull away or I'm going to try to eat more healthy. And what's interesting is the longer you stay away from it, the easier it, it is to be like, I don't actually want that donut. And then I actually yeah. found myself being like, I really want an avocado. Like I'm really craving that like good, <laughs> pure, rich food. And I want that more. But what's crazy is as soon as you go back to that donut for the first time, then it's like, oh, now I want another one. And now I want another one. And now I've had three. And then a couple hours later, I want to go back to the break room and get another one. And then when it's not there, I'm like, who took the donuts? Where are they? I want another donut. And it's like the more you indulge in it. But it's but that's right. that's another thing that's crazy about this analogy is the more you indulge in it, it's almost like the less satisfying it is. And you just you can't get enough donuts. You're like, I need more. Mm. And then you're seeking out and you're looking 
looking for donuts and you're asking, do you have any candy? And do you, and it's like the more you look for it and get it, the more you want it, but the less satisfying it is, but yet the more you want it. And the flip side is true. Like the more you're eating that really good salad from your yard, you I, I grew this, the more you want it, the more you want to grow it, the more you want to see it coming up in your yard and picking it and giving it to other people and eating it yourself and feeling so rejuvenated and healthy. And it's just crazy how... I feel like God uses these pictures of our lives of, you know, food and death and life. And he knows that we are visual people that need pictures to to go by. And yeah, like, why would you go back into that grave? Like, like death. Why would you want to go playing around in a graveyard? But that's what we go do. That's what we go do. Yeah, we we were dead. We are now alive. We were subsisting on donuts and never having enough of that sugar. And now we see the benefit of avocados and fresh salads. Praise. To use a recently established but super helpful metaphor. I love it. That's the difference of life before Christ and life after Christ. Because before he comes into the picture, it's the wages of sin and it's death. And afterwards, though, when we get to know him, that is where we find the gracious gift of God, eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Thank you for joining us for If That Makes Sense, the family life podcast about what life is really like as a young adult following Jesus. If you enjoy the show, please send it to a friend. Your genuine appreciation of the show is the best way for word to get out. And it would make our day if you left us a rating and a review wherever you found this episode. Family Life has more great original podcasts that you can check out at familylife.org slash podcast. Thanks again, and we look forward to having you along for the next one.